my student loans. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for me to realize I really need to manage my finances better. Not only do I have uh, a big amount of student loans, but I also now um, have a family, right? And I need to have a better relationship with my money. building for Latinas. I am your host, Lucy King, Latina money, business coach, speaker, and first-gen investor on a mission to teach Latinas how to stop overworking and learn their money story and start building wealth. Welcome back to Say Hola Wealth Podcast. You are listening to episode number 13 with Areli Lagunas. Areli is a human resource practitioner with 15 years of experience. She is also the founder of Created Achievers Network, also known as CAN. Areli, welcome to Say Hola Well podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Lucy. Thank you for the welcome. I'm doing great today. I'm very happy to be on your podcast today. Perfect. So I wanted to bring you to the podcast because we connected through Instagram and I check out the work that you're doing. And I said, this is a busy mujer that I definitely want to bring to the podcast. Uh, but for those busy mujeres that are not familiar with who you are and what you do, could you please give us a short introduction? Yeah, certainly. So my, my name is Areli Lagunas, uh, as mentioned, I, uh, was born in Mexico and came to the US when I was three years old. Uh, I was raised in Chicago until I was eight years old. And then we moved to a suburb of Chicago when my parents decided to move closer to my dad's job and uh, a, better, a better neighborhood. Um, I come from a humble, hardworking class. My parents both worked to make, meets, uh, to make ends meet. Um, we lived with my aunt for a couple years where my siblings and I shared uh, a room with my parents in bunk beds and then we rented for like another couple of years before my parents own a home. So they actually came here to the United States at a very young age. Uh, they were 14 and 15. And I would say that it took them about 23 years to uh, become homeowners. And of course, you know, everyone's timing and journey is different and there's no shame on how long or little it takes. But just to put into perspective, kind of like the, that immigrant journey, right? Um, yeah. And um, my dad worked uh, on third shift for many years until there was an opportunity that came up where he was able to switch to his preferred um, shift. And, and they both worked minimum wage jobs until my dad found a great opportunity that paid him a little bit above, many, uh, above minimum wage in the manufacturing setting. Uh, and I'm really happy to share because this is so uh, perfect timing that he actually retired last, mo last month in April after working for the same company for uh, about 34 years. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And there's definitely power when we share the stories of who we are, how we grew up, but also sharing the story of our parents because 
a lot of us that are first gen professionals or immigrants, we have seen firsthand what it's like to move ahead. And right now you're sharing the story of like, oh, we have bunk beds and we sleep in the same room. I'm like that's the story of many of us, right? So <laughs> this is why, um, one of the reasons why I love connecting with other Latinas, because when we're sharing our stories, I started to see that we have so many things in common, you know, the, the family values, the hardworking, the, the work ethic, but also the struggles, right, that, that brought us here. So um, let's dive a little bit more into your relationship uh, with money and how you grew up. Do you want to touch about that? <clears throat> yeah, certainly. So, um, you know, I was very happy to connect with you because I think going back to what you mentioned, when we hear stories of other uh, immigrant stories and other stories of people that may look like us, you know, we find this common theme and we start learning that we, we share some of the same struggles, right? And uh, one thing I can tell you is that um, uh, in my family, uh, the topic of money really wasn't talked about, right? Um, what I always remember from my dad is he always told us that we should save for a rainy day. Uh, but we've never really talked about, well, how do you save for a rainy day? You know, like, how do you get to that point? And um, unfortunately, these are things that we learn through experience or when we become adults, um, we, we start having these um, real life scenarios, right? And and how we have, how we realize how our relationship with money perhaps was not the greatest, you know, having a, a lack of knowledge in how we not only save, but how can we uh, maximize our, our, our money that we're earning and that we're, like you said, um, hardworking uh, communities, right? So I think that's my, my big, uh, one of the things I, I learned uh, early on was that um, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge on how I should manage my, my money. Uh, and that came into place when I um, started college, not really having a plan on how to pay for college, being a first generation student, uh, everything was self-financed by myself. Um, so when I um, graduated, I, I had a really big debt, you know, from, from my student loans. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for me to realize I really need to manage my finances better. Not only do I have uh, a big amount of student loans, but I also now um, have a family, right? And I need to have a better relationship with my money. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm getting goosebumps as, as you're describing your journey because you said so many things that were so powerful. I mean, the fact that your dad was telling us or telling you, I said us almost, telling you to save for a rainy day. And that's something that I see often with my clients or even myself, we were either that to save or spend. There's not in between. And I'm learning some of those things. Um, it's so pivotal for us to grow and learn how to make our money work for us. So can you give us more details about your day, um, whatever you're comfortable sharing? Like, how did you feel when you realized that, hey, I have a career, but now I have this debt? Because I think there's a lot of shame when it comes to debt. 
Yes. I'm just curious to know if you felt any of that. Oh, certainly. Um, as mentioned earlier, talking about money in general um, was not something common, right? And I think even not just in my family, but just in our communities, right? Um, and so when I um, graduated and I had a, a big amount of debt and I also had a, a family, I had at the time I had only one child, um, there were a couple of factors that really impacted uh, my view on money and my relationship with money. So at the time, um, I also uh, had started having a family and, um, you know, due to certain, I would say, um, systems back then and still currently now, but we are getting a little better. Um, I had to I had to make a decision to um, scale back uh, in the workforce. So I started looking for a part-time job in my field in HR um, while I finished my master's. That was, for me, that was my only way that I can um, complete my master's uh, and contribute, you know, in my family and also um, have an active role in, in the workforce, something that mm-hmm. I was you know, very proud of because I had completed my bachelor's and I, and I was almost done with my master's. And so during that time, there were a lot of challenges with finding a a part-time opportunity in my HR field. So what ended up happening is I finally found a a part-time job, uh, but I had to take a a very huge pay cut. That was kind of like the, as a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, as I think about it now, really uh, a woman and and, uh, moms in the workforce, right? Working moms shouldn't have to face that factor that if you need to scale back, well, the only solution is you need to take a pay cut, right? Um, That's something that um, I'm working, you know, now as years later, I'm talking about like 10 years later, I'm I'm being a little bit more of an advocate about that, which is why I'm passionate about helping uh, individuals, but in particular, uh, women, uh, because I know that they, ha- they moms and women, they face additional um, challenges in the workforce. Uh, but that, that, when I took that, when I scaled back, and not only part time, but I also had a huge pay cut, it pushed me back um, in a financial aspect, I was, I was struggling with, um, uh, well, not only paying my debt, but also as my family was growing, um, I realized I really, really need to not only budget, but you know, how can I now, um, how can I now pay my pay my you know basic necessities with not only um, not only like one half of a less of an income, but now this additional pay cut, right? So that was kind of like the beginning of me realizing. I need a stronger relationship with money, but at the same time, I don't have that knowledge. So how do I get that knowledge? You know, how do I start finding those resources that I didn't have um, growing up or, you know, because of the, the culture that we were in, you know, with money being not a, a forefront topic in our community. Thank you for sharing that. As you're describing your journey, I'm thinking about this cultural belief um, that we have in our Latino community about how mujeres 
are supposed to do everything, right? Like you're you're describing your journey and I'm thinking, did Adeli feel that she had to do it all? Be the mom, be the, be the professional and be the one that had to you know, have all the answers. Because I think in my opinion, that's also another barrier that we face as busy mujeres. You know, that we, I think culturally we're expected to do it all. Did you feel like, you had to do it all or were you comfortable asking for help? Um, I, I think you brought up a great point. Um, I did feel I had to do it all. I did feel that I had to be a super mom. And as I think about now, right, uh, after all this happened, because we're talking about 10 years ago, this is when I really started to think about, you know, how can I improve my relationship with money. Now that time has passed and I'm able to reflect on that, I did ask myself, why, why did I feel that way? Why did I think that way? And I couldn't help to, to it kept pushing me back to think about how growing up, um, I saw my mom and they were both working, right? They were both working parents and I never saw my mom rest. So to me, it became normal that my mom was doing it all. She was working mom. She was um, obviously a mom. Uh, and, and I think I, in, my, in my mentality, I started thinking that that's the way it should be, that we're supposed to be super moms. Um, now, you know, after the reflection, um, I, I do realize that we don't have to be super moms, right? We do have to take care of ourselves more. And the biggest lesson for me was learning to ask for help because, because we have this notion in our head that we, we have to do it all. It almost becomes like frightening to ask for help. And that's exactly what happened to me. I did not ask for help until I felt that it was um, not only a necessity, but a requirement um, and something that I'm thankful that my husband realized and made me aware that it's okay to ask for help, you know? So yeah, I, I am completely hundred percent with you that I think a lot of us think that we have to do it all. Yeah. Wow. What, what a, what a powerful message you're, you're sharing with us. And I, I see it with some of the clients that I serve, but also with myself. So how you were feeling by the way is how I felt too, when I needed to ask for help, because I feel like I had to do it all. And I, and I actually feel a lot of shame for hiring someone to come and clean my house once a month, because, you know, I, I need that time so I can serve my clients and even asking for help. I feel a lot of shame because yes, we are conditioned to overwork. And this is why the money conversation is so powerful because we need to learn how to leverage our money our dinero so we can have the rest to be more productive, to develop those ideas that are going to make us more money down the road. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you are an expert in human resources. And of course, you have 15 years of experience working with various industries. And I want to dive in the topic that I'm sure is going to help so many busy mujeres. 
And that is the salary package, how to review your salary package or compensation package. Because I know that when I join corporate America and I start moving up the corporate ladder, I had no idea how to review mm -hmm. my compensation package. So let's dive into the pocket and to the topic, excuse me. And the first thing I want to ask is what is a compensation package? Yeah, no, it's, it's such a great question. And like you said, um, a lot of us are going through new territory. You know, a lot of us are first time professionals, right? Our parents may not have been in a setting where uh, they had an opportunity to review their, their salary offers, right? Um, I know my parents, it was, you know, this is what you're going to make, there's no room for negotiation. But now we're living, we're living a different, um, different circumstances where uh, we are provided more flexibility and now we have more say into, you know, what we're going to take. So a compensation uh, package, it's, it's interesting you brought this, this question because as you mentioned, I, this is the 15th year uh, that I am practicing as an HR practitioner. And one of the reasons why I dive into career coaching because of my experience as an HR professional. And I, uh, I am blessed to have the opportunity to be on both sides of the table, right? I've been, I have had an opportunity to extend offers uh, and also had the opportunity for me to, uh, to look for a job and, you know, wait for the employer to, to provide me an offer. But the compensation package it's very important because when we think about um, when we're, we're on this journey to find a new opportunity and hopefully a new job that is fulfilling, we have to look at the, at the, at the entire landscape. So the compensation package is more than just uh, your salary, right? What they're offering for your salary. We call it a total rewards package. And that encompasses basically everything aside from your salary. So we're talking about uh, bonuses, commissions, paid time off, uh, medical, dental, visual insurance, uh, 401k. It's the whole total rewards package that an employer might uh, offer to you during your um, offer letter, you know, when they're extending an offer letter to bring you in the company. And, and one of the things I always tell our individuals that are taking career coaching at uh, CAN is that it should always be a two-way street, right? That means that it has to work for the employee, for the individual, and it has to work for the employer, of course, because they're the employer that is hiring you. But it should always be a two-way street where you have say into uh, not just your salary offer, but your total rewards uh, package. Now, the employer uh, has some set um, benefits, right? But there are other things that you can certainly negotiate, um, which I'm sure that we'll dive a little bit more into that. But in essence, the compensation package is the, all the other components aside from your salary. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So we're busy mujeres, and sometimes we get so excited when we get the job offer, we get the job that we want. Sometimes we're ready to just go and work with somebody new. So as we're going through this process of entering a new industry or going to work with a new employer, what are the things that we need to look for when we are reviewing that compensation package? 
Yes, uh, very important question. And I think that uh, one of the things I always uh, talk about during the career coaching and the job search strategy is that before you even start looking for a job is to think about what are the things that you value the most and that are the most important to you. So you're going to probably have to look at your values, your goals, your lifestyle, right, that you want to accomplish. And so when when the employer is ready to give you an offer, you have to consider that and keep that in mind. So for example, if if an employer makes you, extends you an offer letter, uh, one of the things you can look at is obviously uh, the salary, right? Um, is that what you would expect to be at a minimum for you um, before you even get into the interview phase or when an employer might ask you about your salary requirements, you want to come prepare and start thinking about, you know, what would be the minimum that you would accept. And there's a couple of tools that you can do, or you can, I'm sorry, there's a couple of tools that you can have at your disposal and are accessible where you can look up the salary range for the position you're applying for. Uh, that will give you a better idea if the employer is you know, um, meeting the benchmark or if they are under the benchmark. And so there are a couple of them. Um, I know that the, the, there's a couple of them, like for example, if you go online, uh, salary.com, you can go to LinkedIn. You can also search there. They have a salary guide there. Uh, there, there is also, uh, the Bureau of Labor, you can go there. So my recommendation is always to have three resources, uh, get three numbers for the position that you're applying for, get, get the salary range to give you a better idea of what the employer should be, uh, compensating you for that role. Uh, so that's one way that you can, uh, review your compensation package for the salary component. Uh, as far as the other parts of the salary package, which include uh, the benefits part, um, some employers, there's very few employers that I have encountered that pay 100% of the insurance for employees. Very few. There are a few out there, right? And if you find them, that's great because we know that uh, insurance is very expensive. Uh, but for the most of the part, what happens with the benefits is that the employer pays a portion of the cost and then the employee pays the other portion and together makes up, you know, what the employer pays to the insurance company. So you want to look at um, what you usually, uh, what I do, uh, what I have done in HR is when I extend an offer, I also provide them their benefit, a benefit summary so that they can review it along with the offer letter. So if you're getting an offer letter and you don't get a benefit summary, ask for it. I can guarantee you that they're not going to, um, they're not going to say no to that because that information will be, it's very helpful to decide if you want to join the company, especially if you have other offers, right? You want to, you want to try to get the best, you know, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, your goals, and what's important to you. So certainly asking for a benefit summary so that you can compare and you can also see how much you're going to be paying if you if you um, elect insurance, right? Um, how much you're going to be paying for yourself, how much you're going to be paying for your family. Uh, that's also going to be very important when you're reviewing uh, the compensation um, total rewards. I want to add one one scenario and I, I think this is really important to share. 
As I mentioned, there are companies that pay 100% for the employee's insurance, but that's just not common. And for the most part, you know, you have to have that um, the setup is the employee pays a portion and the employer pays the other portion. Um, there, there are still a few companies also that um, if, you, uh, if you add a spouse to your insurance, there's almost like a penalty for it. I don't know if you heard of it, but there are a few companies that still have that. So I had a client who uh, was extended an offer and um, she received her benefit summary and she was comparing you know, uh, the benefit part, how much she, she would pay for insurance for herself. And then she learned that if she wanted to add her husband, she would have to uh, pay like a penalty fee, like an additional fee. So uh, one of the things that we talked about was uh, she said, you know, my husband doesn't really need the insurance because he has a he has a better insurance to his employer. So I would only be selecting for myself in this new position if I like the position. So we talked about how can we convey that information to the employer. And um, what I share with her is that uh, because of that factor that she was going to select only herself to the insurance and not her husband, she was actually saving money for, for the company. And so she shared that in a professional way. And because of that, she was able to get an, an additional $10,000 on her offer because she conveyed that she was saving money for the company but not by not adding her husband to the insurance. So that was one way that um, I think, um, you know, that particular uh, scenario helped her to negotiate her salary. Thank you for sharing that. That that was, a. am learning so much from you. I'm listening to you sharing um, how the benefits um, summary is so important. I'm just thinking, wow, <laughs> I wish I knew this before, right? Now, you also men mentioned about the importance of the job offer when, when the employer extends the job offer. And as, as you're describing this to all of us here on the podcast, I'm picturing mujeres just going to the grocery store, which I have a point here, so bear with me, how we go and when we're buying things at the grocery stores, we look at the labels, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we're buying bread and we start looking at the labels, we start reading um, what's on that bread. And I feel like sometimes because of money limiting beliefs, we don't allow ourselves to analyze that offer, right? Because of the fear of like, if I don't accept it now, what if I lose it? So I, I'm saying this because I think it's so important for, for the busy mujeres to make sure that they're taking the time to review the job offer, to not just say, yes, sign me up. Where is the pen? I have to sign it right now or else I'm going to lose it, right? So, so critical to take the time to, to punch the numbers, to make sure that you are actually getting the money that you deserve, Exactly. And you brought up a good point. Yeah, many of us uh, are so we have this, you know, we're very grateful for the opportunity presented that we just want to say yes right away. And it has happened to me. I share with uh, my community, my camp community that I didn't start negotiating my salary until my early 30s. That's a lot of money that I left on the table that could have helped me pay off my student loans faster. So it's so important that we we really do negotiate and um, be an advocate for ourselves. That's when I truly started um, 
I guess it, that was like my wake up call when I started advocating for myself. That's when I started negotiating my salary and doing all these other things that we should have been doing, you know, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been studying the Latina wage gap since I launched my coaching business. And on average, we lose over a million dollars in the That's course of our career because we don't negotiate. And, exactly. and this is why it's so important for us to advocate for ourselves and also share our salary with other Latinas, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, that calladita te ves más bonita, it's always there. And so we need to unlearn that, that it's okay for us to share more things. So I wanted to ask you a couple more things. Um, as you were talking, I have some listeners, some busy mujeres that are part of unions, right? They're either teachers or they work for organizations that have a union. Are they allowed to negotiate? Do you have any experience with that? That is a great question. And actually uh, what I learned because I have worked in a, uh, I have worked in a company where they had a small union, but most of my work experience has been in a non-union environment. Uh, what I, it's a, I'm so happy you asked that question because yes, if there is a union agreement or what I've also seen is if it's uh, like a federal job, there may be less flexibility there. So um, with the union specifically, if it's in writing, if, it, if it's an agreement, they have set, um, they have set uh, pay rates. And so those are non-negotiable, unfortunately. So when we're talking about um, negotiating your salary, we're talking about uh, the non-union environment, the non-federal job environment, because they have specific tiers and there's an agreement there. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Now, are there any other things we should be asking for in addition to the salary and the medical, what are the mm-hmm. things should we ask, should we be asking for when negotiating a compensation package? Yeah. And it goes back to your original question of like, what is a, you know, compensation? Uh, what is exactly right? What is the, the, the package? And it goes back to the total rewards package. So um, in addition to your salary, there's a lot of other things that you can negotiate depending on what the company offers, right? Um, but you can always ask during, not even, even before you get a, an offer, you can always ask about these things during your uh, interview process. Or, you know, a lot of these companies uh, put their information on the website. So you can always uh, go to their website and get more information. But if you're talking to the recruiter or you're talking to an interviewer, these are things that obviously um, are welcome by them to ask. Um, so things you can negotiate aside from salary uh, could be even your start date. So let's just say you're in a good position to take some time off and you want to take additional time off. You can you can negotiate your start date even up to a month. I've seen that happen where um, employees uh, negotiate their start date a month from you know when they got their offer letter, right? If you're in a decision to do that why not right um schedule especially now with um with telecommuting right uh i i've seen a lot of uh candidates that uh want to have that hybrid schedule have um schedule on site and also schedule from home so you can negotiate that uh tuition reimbursement that's something that i wish i would have negotiated earlier 
Uh, but if your company offers tuition reimbursement, uh, you can talk about that. Uh, relocation, you know, we have, uh, especially like I said, I've worked in HR and I actually have been a recruiter myself, specifically uh, recruiting uh, employees and doing their onboarding. Uh, we've, we had candidates ask for relocation expenses if we're having um, a candidate move from out of state, right? They can pay for not only the moving expenses, but uh, you know, giving you the additional amount of money to kind of transition. Um, uh, there's other things like, for example, um, I'm trying to think of like the most, the ones that people may not know. Um, maybe like the tap, the type of equipment, you know, like the, the some employees uh, require certain equipment like cell phones and laptops, you know, those are things that you can also negotiate. But I'm trying to think of like the most important ones that, like you said, will work for you and will work for your money, right? Because that's, that's the idea that you um, find a fulfilling job, but at the same time, you're able to work your money. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to share that when I was in corporate America, I actually will ask my boss if he had an allowance for, for, for clothes for me, because I mm-hmm. was required to, to wear suits and suits are not cheap. So I will mm-hmm. always ask him, Hey, uh, does the company have an allowance for, <laughs> for uniforms? And, and he was like, Oh, actually with you, I'm like, Oh, well, could, can I get in a stipend? And so he or she will give me X amount of dollars for me to go buy suits. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people thought that was silly of me to do, but I'm like, I'm not going to spend my own money to buy, mm-hmm. you know, clothes that I'm probably not going to mm-hmm. use, which is, I, I love suits. So I will wear them <laughs> and on the weekends, but, <laughs> but that's another things that mujeres can negotiate. Now, I didn't get to ask you this question earlier. So I want to make sure that I don't, I don't forget to ask you. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Actually. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is um, what has been one of the biggest money lessons that you learned in the last three years? In the last three years. Um, I would say that in the last three years, the, the investing component uh, if you were to ask me in the last 10 years, I would say that uh, just talking about money, that, that, that was my biggest lesson because it was something not common. But if you're talking about the last three years, is the, in, the investing component of investing yourself and investing for the future. Um, what, I think, what I think in our community, um, as you may have heard, from other first generation and other um, immigrant stories, our parents were on a survival mode, right? And I think about it as they were looking at the step in front of them. And once they reached that step, um, I don't think they were able to see beyond that. And so with my parents, right? they didn't have an investing strategy, right? Because maybe it wasn't something that was learned, you know, through their family, um, or it was just not common. So for me, I would say the biggest lesson in the last three years is acquiring knowledge on how can I invest for the future, because the future is just around the corner, right? And I have three children who, um, 
you know, I don't know what their career choice or trade choice will be, but I want to be ready for that. And so that I think that for me has been the biggest lesson the last three years. I love it. I love it because that's also a way to invest in our generational wealth, right? By us talking about money with our kids, getting them ready for uh, the school if they want to go to school. So I love that you that you share that. Thank you. My next question to you is, what is one investment that you made in yourself that you're very proud of? Yes. Um, I, I, I want to answer that question by saying that every investment I made in myself has been, has paid off. Uh, I think that especially I would say that because I am a, f a first generation student, so I'm the first one, I'm the first in my family. Uh, I have three other siblings uh, that have a college degree. And when I was going through a financial hardship, I couldn't help to think if I made the right decision by investing money into, uh, you know, a degree for a second. But then I snapped out of it and I said, you know what, I do not regret. Uh, I do not regret going to college. I do not regret uh, obtaining a bachelor's. I do not regret obtaining a bachelor, a master's. What I wish I would have done is educated myself better on how to finance my education, right? That was the learning lesson for me, but I do not regret uh, getting my, uh, my degrees. It has helped me tremendously. It has opened up many doors. And I'm a proponent of college and non-traditional uh, career paths. So I think the reason why I am very... Um, I'm an advocate of education, uh, whether it's formal or non-formal, you know, whether it's college or not, it's because of my background, you know, um, the limitations that my, for example, my mom, she has, she has shared with me that she wanted to go to school, uh, but she was told that women should stay at home because they're going to get married. And if they go to school, it's going to be a wasted effort. And I think that stuff stood to me. And I've, I've always I would say that ever since I was little, I always knew I wanted to go to college. And now that's not the path for everyone. And, and again, you know, if someone chooses uh, not to go to college, that to me, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I know that there's different um, paths to everyone, but I think that uh, for me, that that's been very uh, important. And the biggest investment is my education. And I have no regrets for that. Yeah, thank you. And when we invest in education, yes, it's kind of like, oh, my God, now I have this student loan debt that it could be a burden or, or maybe it is a burden for a lot of us. But it's an investment. And, mm -hmm. and that's, an, that's a mindset shift that we have to also turn on. Like, hey, it's not that I got in debt for no reason. Like, I'm three steps ahead, 10 steps ahead than my parents. And that I think is so important. So thank you for, thank you for mentioning that. Now, my next question for you is, what is your definition of wealth? Yes, yeah. thank you so much for the question and for your outlet to provide these answers because this is certainly very important uh, to have in the communities. But 
I'm going to reference back to uh, my dad's current situation that he retired. And I want to share that I'm very proud uh, that he was able to retire before what people consider to be the norm, right? Uh, I think here in the, in the U.S., you know, we're expected to retire after we're 65, right? That's kind of like the norm, maybe 65, 67. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad retired a little earlier. He's 62. Um, but I'm really, I'm really happy for him because now he's going to be able to enjoy himself more uh, with my mom and, and family and really do the things that he enjoys. But to your question of what does wealth mean to me, it's being able to retire at, you know, whatever number that is to you without having to um, have any financial constraints, right? It's finding that financial freedom so that if you decide to work and you decide to work for whatever time amount you want, it's, it's based out of your purpose-driven goals and not because of a necessity, Right, it's almost like optional. Mujeres, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you found value on this episode, don't forget to share it with your amigas, and don't forget to subscribe whatever you listen to podcasts to be notified when the next episode releases. It would also mean the world to me if you can make time out of your busy mujer schedule to write a review for us on Apple Podcast. Are you spending time on social? So are we. Come say hola to us. You can find us on IG under at Viva La Budget and Finance. And if you are ready to take charge of your finances and your dinero, check out the show notes to get started and apply to work with us. Hasta la próxima, Bici Mujer.